Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Southminster Presbyterian Church's Advent Devotional Podcast, which has become the Epiphany Podcast. I am Associate Pastor Steve Shum here at Southminster in Centerville, Ohio, welcoming you to another day of our podcast. Uh, We're almost done. As I said, it's become our Epiphany Podcast. It's January the 5th. This Sunday, we are going to gather Sunday evening for our Epiphany Feast. We are celebrating uh, the joy of Christmas and the light that came into the world at Christmas in Jesus Christ. We are shaking things up a little bit today. We have a different format. Uh, Josh is getting the day off, and I am flying solo. So welcome. Uh, I'm going to go right in and read what I have written. Uh, for our devotional. Uh, So glad that so many of you have been reading along in the devotional and joining us and listening to our podcast. I hope and trust that uh, you have been edified in some way uh, by our random rambling reflections here on the podcast. It's been fun to do this and fun to have you along. So for Thursday, January the 5th, Beginning with Psalm 124, verse 8, this verse, Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And then what I had included for today's reflection is actually not something that I wrote, but is a quote that I like from one of my favorite authors. I am a big Dickens fan. This is Charles Dickens, a couple sentences taken from Pickwick Papers, his first novel. And even in this, his first novel, you get a bit of his sense of appreciation and love for the Christmas holiday season. So I offer these verses to open up today's podcast. Verses, this quote, uh, and numerous indeed, writes Dickens, Numerous indeed are the hearts to which Christmas brings a brief season of happiness and enjoyment. How many families whose members have been dispersed and are scattered far and wide in the restless struggles of life are then reunited and meet once again in that happy state of companionship and mutual goodwill, which is a source of such pure and unalloyed delight, and one so incompatible with the cares and sorrows of the world. How many old recollections and how many dormant sympathies does Christmas time awaken? And we're reading this in the first week of January. It may feel to you like a bit of the the glow of the Christmas season has begun to recede, but I like to look back and to think back on the joy of the holiday, Christmas holiday, even in this week here, this first week of January. My prayer included with this, Lord, give me peace that I may find strength for the day. And now I said that Dickens has long been one of my favorite authors. Earlier in this podcast, I had admitted that one of my favorite Christmas movies is The Muppet Christmas Carol. But There are other things that I like about Dickens, and actually other things that Dickens wrote about Christmas that I like even better than A Christmas Carol, and I want to share uh, one of those with you all today. So rather than a conversation, today's podcast is a reading. This is 
uh, my reading of What Christmas Is As We Grow Older by Charles Dickens. One of the other movies I watched this Christmas, this holiday season, is a little movie that came out a couple of years ago, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which explores Dickens' relationship with the holiday and the book Christmas Carol that was one of his most popular novels. And in some ways, some people say, created the modern celebration of Christmas with the the feasting and the gathering with family for games and fun and the sense of generosity and giving that Dickens instills in us through the Christmas Carol. But it's also, all of that is also present uh, in a number of his other writings and even in his other Christmas ghost stories. And it's here as well in What Christmas Is As We Grow Older. So sit back and hope you enjoy this reading. Time was, with most of us, when Christmas Day, encircling all our limited world like a magic ring, left nothing out for us to miss or seek, bound together all our home enjoyments, affections and hopes, grouped everything and everyone around the Christmas fire, and made the little picture shining in our bright eyes complete." Time came, perhaps all too soon, when our thoughts overleaped that narrow boundary, when there was someone very dear, we thought then, very beautiful and absolutely perfect, wanting to the fullness of our happiness. When we were wanting to, or we thought so, which did just as well, at the Christmas hearth by which that someone sat, and when we intertwined with every wreath and garland of our life, that someone's name. That was the time for the bright visionary Christmases which have long arisen from us to show faintly after summer rain in the palest edges of the rainbow. That was the time for the beatified enjoyment of the things that were to be and never were. And yet the things that were so real in our resolute hope that it would be hard to say now what realities achieved since have been stronger. What? Did that Christmas never really come when we and the priceless pearl who was our young choice were received after the happiest of totally impossible marriages by the two united families previously at daggers drawn on our account? When brothers and sisters-in-law who had always been rather cool to us before our relationship was affected perfectly doted on us? and when fathers and mothers overwhelmed us with unlimited incomes. Was that Christmas dinner never really eaten, after which we arose and generously and eloquently rendered honor to our late rival, present in the company, then and there exchanging friendship and forgiveness, and founding an attachment not to be surpassed in Greek or Roman story, which subsisted until death, has that same rival long ceased to care for that same priceless pearl, and married for money, and become usurious. Above all, do we really know now that we should probably have been miserable if we had won and worn the pearl that we are better without her. That Christmas, when we had recently achieved so much fame, when we had been carried in triumph somewhere for doing something great and good, 
when we had won an honorable and ennobled name and arrived and were received at home in a shower of tears of joy. Is it possible that that Christmas has not come yet? And is our life here at the best so constituted that pausing as we advance at such a noticeable milestone in the track as this great birthday, we look back on the things that never were as naturally and full as gravely as on the things that have been and are gone or have been and still are. If it be so, and so it seems to be, must we can come to the conclusion that life is little better than a dream and little worth the loves and strivings that we crowd into it? No, far be such miscalled philosophy from us, dear reader, on Christmas Day. Nearer and closer to our hearts be the Christmas spirit, which is the spirit of active usefulness, perseverance, and cheerful discharge of duty, kindness, and forbearance. It is in the last virtues especially that we are or should be strengthened by the unaccomplished visions of our youth. For who shall say that they are not our teachers to deal gently even with the impalpable things of the earth? Therefore, as we grow older, let us be more thankful that the circle of our Christmas associations and of the lessons that they bring expands. Let us welcome every one of them and summon them to take their places by the Christmas hearth. Welcome old aspirations, uh, glittering creatures of an ardent fancy to your shelter underneath the holly. We know you and have not outlived you yet. Welcome old projects and old loves, however fleeting, to your nooks among the steadier lights that burn around us. Welcome all that was ever real to our hearts and for the earnestness that made you real, thanks to heaven. Do we build no Christmas castles in the clouds now? Let our thoughts fluttering like butterflies among these flowers of children bear witness. Before this boy, there stretches out a future brighter than we ever looked on in our old romantic time, but bright with honor and with truth. Around this little head on which the sunny curls lie heaped, the graces sport as prettily, as airily as when there was no scythe within the reach of time to shear away the curls of our first love. Upon another girl's face near it, placider but smiling bright, a quiet and contented little face, we see home fairly written, shining from the word as rays shine from a star, we see how, when our graves are old, other hopes than ours are young, other hearts than ours are moved, how other ways are smoothed, how other happiness blooms, ripens, and decays. No, not decays, for other homes and other bands of children not yet in being, nor for ages yet to be, arise and bloom and ripen to the end of all. Welcome everything. 
welcome alike what has been and what never was and what we hope may be to your shelter underneath the holly, to your places around the Christmas fire where what is sits open-hearted. In yonder shadow do we see obtruding furtively upon the blaze an enemy's face. By Christmas Day we do forgive him. If the injury he has done us may admit of such companionship, let him come here and take his place. If otherwise, unhappily, let him go hence, assured that we will never injure nor accuse him. On this day, we shut out nothing. Pause, says a low voice. Nothing? Think. On Christmas Day, we will shut out from our fireside nothing. Not the shadow of a vast city where the withered leaves are lying deep, the voice replies. Not the shadow that darkens the whole globe. Not the shadow of the city of the dead. Not even that. Of all days in the year, we will turn our faces towards that city upon Christmas Day and from its silent hosts bring those we loved among us. City of the dead in the blessed name wherein we are gathered together at this time and in the presence that is here among us, according to the promise, we will receive and not dismiss thy people who are dear to us. Yes, we can look upon these children angels that alight so solemnly, so beautifully among the living children by the fire, and can bear to think how they departed from us. Entertaining angels unawares, as the patriarchs did, the playful children are unconscious of their guests, but we can see them, can see a radiant arm around one favorite neck as if there were a tempting of that child away. Among the celestial figures there is one, a poor misshapen boy on earth of a glorious beauty now, of whom his dying mother said it grieved her much to leave him here alone, for so many years, as was likely would elapse before he came to her, being such a little child. But he went quickly and was laid upon her breast, and in her hand she leads him. There was a gallant boy who fell far away upon a burning sand beneath a burning sun, and said, Tell them at home, with my last love, how much I could have wished to kiss them once, but that I died contented and had done my duty. Or there was another over whom they read the words, therefore we commit his body to the deep, and so consigned him to the lonely ocean and sailed on. Or there was another who lay down to his rest in the dark shadow of great forests, and on earth awoke no more. Oh, shall they not from sand and sea and forest be brought home at such a time? There was a dear girl, almost a woman, never to be one, who made a morning Christmas in a house of joy and went her trackless way to the silent city. Do we recollect her, worn out, faintly whispering what could not be heard and falling into that last sleep for weariness? 
Oh, look upon her now. Oh, look upon her beauty, her serenity, her changeless youth, her happiness. The daughter of Jairus was recalled to life to die, but she, more blessed, has heard the same voice saying unto her, Arise forever. We had a friend who was our friend from early days, with whom we often pictured the changes that were to come upon our lives and merrily imagined how we would speak and walk and think and talk when we came to be old. His destined habitation in the city of the dead received him in his prime. Shall he be shut out from our Christmas remembrance? Would his love have so excluded us? Lost friend, lost child, lost parent, sister, brother, husband, wife. We will not so discard you. You shall hold your cherished places in our Christmas hearts and by our Christmas fires. And in the season of immortal hope and on the birthday of immortal mercy, we will shut out nothing. The winter sun goes down over town and village. On the sea it makes a rosy path, as if the sacred tread were fresh upon the water. A few more moments and it sinks, and night comes on, and light begins to sparkle in the prospect. On the hillside beyond the shapelessly diffused town, and in the quiet keeping of the trees that gird the village steeple, remembrances are cut in stone, planted in common flowers, growing in grass, entwined with lovely brambles around many a mound of earth. In town and villages, there are doors and windows closed against the weather. There are flaming logs heaped high. There are joyful faces. There is healthy music of voices. Be all ungentleness and harm excluded from the temple of the household gods, but be those remembrances admitted with tender encouragement. They are of the time and all its comforting and peaceful reassurances and of the history that reunited even upon earth the living and the dead and of the broad beneficence and goodness that too many men have tried to tear to narrow shreds. Thank you, everyone. That is Dickens. Christmas is as we grow older. Hope to have you join us again tomorrow for our podcast. <laughs>